the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A good Tuesday to you, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. New York Times has a piece that is so ugly. I am bereft of proper adjectives. If anyone has doubts about the election, and I do, I don't claim proof of anything, but the intellectual dishonesty of the dismissal of any doubts, given the improbabilities that I have listed to you and others have, Beginning with, it has not happened in 150 years, I believe, that a an incumbent president increased his vote from his first term and then lost. And then the, uh, what is it, the 18 of 19 counties that he won, that are bellwether counties, the, uh, the staggering uh, number of ballots just for Joe Biden and nothing else filled out, I, I and I don't have in my mind the the list which is very long to merely entertain doubts is to replicate what the Germans did with regard to World War 1 uh, walking around thinking they were stabbed in the back and paving the way for Hitler's election because of the resentment of the stab in the back of the loss of World War I. That is what the New York Times says. Is it today or yesterday? Today. By no less than a German author who uh, works for Die Zeit, a major newspaper in Germany. our European allies. There, there is so little questioning of leftist orthodoxy in Europe that when it is questioned in America, it is regarded as neo-fascist, just like the left here does. But it, it is a given to the folks in these countries. Incidentally, I want to tell you a story about our European allies that I did not know until I did research for my column. I would ask you all to sign up to get my Tuesday column. I work very hard on this, and it's in writing, things that you can then send to others. So I wrote about the incredible assassination of the top nuclear scientist in Iran last Friday. I mean, the story makes James Bond look tame. And they got away. 
And it's, I presume it was mostly, if not all, Iranians. But everybody holds Israel uh, as the author of this assassination. The man drove different routes every day outside of Tehran in the countryside, went with a two- or three-car group of commandos to protect him in a bulletproof car, all right? And in obviously outside of Tehran, as I told you. And somehow they assassinated him and they all got away. It's an, it's an astonishing story with a remote-controlled machine gun, no less, as part of it. But the, the humans were there. They had cut off electricity to the area. They had disabled video cameras. It's an astonishing achievement. Astonishing. Anyway, doing the research on that, I had mentioned that this is the most remarkable event like this since Entebbe, when Israel landed uh, a, an airplane filled with commandos to rescue the Israeli and other and non-Israeli Jews that the Palestinian terrorists had hijacked to Uganda, to the Entebbe airport. All of this is to tell you the following story that I had never known, and it was reported in the Jewish Chronicle in London at the time. The captain, it's a very beautiful story, and the, but the ending is not beautiful. The captain of the Air France plane that was hijacked, being a non-Jew, and his whole crew not being Jews, were allowed to go back on the on, on a plane to Paris. The flight was a Tel Aviv-Paris flight. He refused. A captain stays with his passengers, he said. He might have been, easily might have been killed. The entire crew stayed When he got back to France, Air France berated him and temporarily demoted him from captain. But you didn't know that. I didn't know that. What do you think of that? Guy should have gotten a ticker tape parade in Paris. So, this is uh, in keeping with a lot of the values that permeate Europe and brings me back to the German who wrote as follows. It's quite remarkable. 1918 Germany has a warning for America. Donald Trump's Stop the Steal campaign recalls one of the most disastrous political lies of the 20th century by Jochen Bittner of Die Zeit. Watching President Trump's Stop the Steal campaign since Election Day, I can't help but see a parallel to one of the most dreadful episodes from Germany's history, 
100 years ago, amid the implosion of Imperial Germany, powerful conservatives who led the country into war refused to accept that they had lost. Their denial gave birth to arguably the most potent and disastrous political eye of the 20th century, the Dolschostingende, or stab in the back. No, I want to get that right. Dolch, because it's uh, hyphenated. Dolschostlegende. Yeah, Dolschostlegende. Legend, yeah, there you go. It's So that's... Uh, that's what it reminds him of. The campaign should be seen as what it is, an attempt to elevate they stole it to the level of legend, perhaps seeding for the future social polarization and division on a scale America has never seen. The attribution by the left to uh, of the division in America to conservatives is that's that's a that's the legenda. That's a legend. Gee, why would there be a rift? We're teaching children that America is a cesspool. Why would there be a rift? We have we have ruined the arts. We have ruined uh, a ch- children's innocence. We have ruined everything in America that we could touch, we on the left. Why would there be a rift? It's got to be because of the right. What is the right ruined in America? Name something. Have we ruined the arts? Have we ruined elementary school education? Do we go around claiming that men give birth and teach that to to, uh, children? (laughs) But we're the source of the division. Without a basic consensus built on a shared reality, society split into groups of ardent, uncompromising partisans. That I agree with. We do not have a basic consensus on a shared reality. Why didn't he write about the legenda of the uh, of the Trump campaign colluding with Russia? Why isn't that a stab in the back legenda? Hmm? And in, a, in an atmosphere of mistrust and paranoia, the notion that dissenters were threats to the nation steadily took hold. Isn't that who who says dissenters should be shut down? The left or the right? This man is a fool, a German fool. And you know why he's a fool? Not because he's German. Because he's on the left. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800 583 800-500-8384. Hi, everybody. I want to remind you, I'm Dennis Prager. New York Times has a piece from a German 
that just like there was the lie about losing World War I because of a stab in the back, there was now a lie in America that, that lost an election because of fraud. So you see, another example, this time from a German, of the parallel to the rise of Hitler. Do you know that now I have not read it? I mostly read left wing pieces, and I have not read a single refutation of any of the questions that honorable people on the right ask. If you have answers to honest, is it, here's a question for the left Is it possible to be an honest broker and have doubts about the election results? In other words, can can we be mistaken in the way we read the evidence not because we want to believe that there is fraud i don't want to believe there was fraud that scares me more than a biden victory alarmingly that seems to be exactly what is happening in the united states today this mistrust and paranoia, the centers were threats to the nation. We, we, have, we have that view. It's what the left does. According to the Pew Research Center, 89% of Trump supporters believe that a Joe Biden presidency would do lasting harm to the U.S. Wait, so why, what, is, what does that have to do with Hitler? Huh? That, that's an example of... So when... The uh, 89% of the left didn't believe that Trump would do lasting harm to the U.S.? There is no need on the left to be intellectually honest. Who is going to challenge you? It's they're lazy and they're intellectually lazy. Yes, I am, I am one of those who believe that a Joe Biden presidency would do lasting harm to the U.S. So therefore what? I believe in a lie like the Germans did about World War I? Is that what he's saying? I guess so. While 90% of Biden supporters think the reverse. Oh, okay. So he acknowledges it. All right. So what does that prove? proves that there's a huge division in the United States. And while the question of which news media to trust has long split America, now even the largely unmoderated Twitter, largely unmoderated Twitter, does he not know how many people are, are censored by Twitter? The worst of the, of the tech companies? Now, even the largely unmoderated Twitter is regarded as partisan. Gee, why would we regard Twitter as partisan? These people live in a make-believe world. See, they don't read us. Do you understand? This guy, do you think this guy has ever read anything in, in the vast world of conservative media? I don't. He lives in Germany. There is no German conservative media. I suspect he's not uh, tuning into Breitbart or, or Daily Wire or American Greatness or The Federalist. 
I mean, it, it's the list of spectacular or or uh, or what's Glenn Beck's uh, thing called the uh, blaze. Uh, the blaze, of course. This guy, I think he, he even knows what I'm talking about. Say, hey, have you checked out uh, any of these? What? What? I only read what I agree with. I am the editor of the site. An editor. Since the election, millions of Trump supporters have installed the alternative social media app Parler. That's right. You know why? Because we're censored. The fact that he denies that... Doesn't that render the whole article not credible? That's what's uh, published there. Hey, get, get, here's, here's something from Brown University. Always a, a crackpot uh, place, place for crackpots. Since I was a kid. Remember they stored, uh, they stored uh, stuff in case of nuclear attack? Remember that? Brown University? Check on that. And I think in the 70s. Uh, th- that it's a it, it's a place for for the uh, the crazy has been long standing at Brown University. A group called Decolonization at Brown demands the university tear down statues of two Roman emperors, Caesar Augustus and Marcus Aurelius, on the grounds that they quote celebrate ongoing. This is from the Wall Street Journal colonialism in the United States and idealize white Western civilization, both of which continue to cause harm at Brown today. Yeah. The harm caused by Marcus Aurelius and Caesar Augustus to people at Brown, uh, I can't believe they 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 let them stay up, these statues. Do you know what this is? Do you understand what it is? I've warned about this all of my life. Secularism produces boredom. It's a, and boredom is a terrible, terrible progenitor of chaos. They have nothing in their lives, so they need a cause. Do you realize how empty your life is if your cause is to remove Roman emperor statues at Brown? Do you understand? They, ha- they have to, and do you understand how little racism there is in America that they would even concentrate on Roman statues? White supremacy, as, as the author writes here, white supremacy didn't emerge until the 17th century. <laughs> so what? Why would a fact stop a leftist? The Dennis Prager Show. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. We're told that uh, the we have to have people lose their jobs again on on mass. That the middle class has to has to be decimated because of a lockdown. Everyone I know who is in favor of a lockdown has a job, or ha- is already rich. Isn't that interesting? But of course, they're the, they're the people for the little guy. The little guy works at a restaurant. So, you know, you can eat on an airplane two inches from people, but you can't eat at a restaurant. Can't even eat outdoors in L.A. County. We're told that the hospitals are overflowing. So let me go to Houston. 
doctor that I have talked to when the, we were last told that uh, hospitals were overflowing, especially in Houston, Dr. Bo Breeze, who was an emergency room physician in Houston. Dr. Breeze, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dennis. Good morning. The, let's see, is it morning by you? Yes, it is. Good morning to you. It is. Thank and you. And good morning to most of your listeners. <clears throat> <laughs> most. I, 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 that's That's correct. Anyway, it's a yeah. pleasure to it's a pleasure to have you on. So, uh, what is the story? Uh, if you're you have a you're in a major hospital in Houston, uh, would you I rather mean, it not be named, or do you want to name it, or what? You can name it. I don't speak for the hospital. I speak for myself. But I, I work at Houston Methodist. Okay, great. And 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 I want to make clear. Of course, he doesn't speak for the hospital. He is one doctor, but I want you to know at what a major hospital he is. That's the only reason I even raise that issue. Okay. So what are you seeing? We are in the third peak uh, that, I, that I spoke about coming, uh, which would happen after we open schools. It's, it's coming as predicted. Uh, it looks like it's a very similar peak to the one that we had in the summer. And we have far more capacity uh, than we need to deal with anything that might happen. Uh, I've definitely seen more coronaviruses in the past few days, uh, past few weeks. Uh, right now, to give you a sense of how we're doing in the whole Texas Medical Center, which is the big medical center in Houston that takes care of Southeast Texas and, and is the sort of surge area for a lot of Texas, we have uh, more ICU beds today than we did yesterday. We're at 88% capacity uh, filled in our current configuration. Normally, we run at 97% in most years. So we've actually been low this year, uh, most of the year. Uh, because we've had so much less volume in the hospitals. And uh, versus our surge capacity plan, we're only running at about a little a little more than 50% of our surge capacity plan, which we can implement within hours to increase our capacity uh, in the ICUs. Oh, so, you, so that's interesting. I was always wondering about that, doctor. The you You can, under emergency conditions, increase ICU capacity? Yes. If you have the equipment and personnel reserved and able to swap what they're doing, you can do so, uh-huh. as well as the space. And we've had it was it was tight in March and April to do such a thing, but but we've been prepared. I mean, this is our job, right? We're you're supposed to be able to trust us to be able to get the resources and organization together to manage um, situations that arise like this, and we have the flexible capacity to do so. The people coming in, we are. I keep reading more hospitalizations than ever, double the number of hospitalizations. How long is someone on average hospitalized with COVID? So there's there's kind of, I think the best way to look at it is that there are two groups of people coming in that are getting hospitalized. There, there are people that are going to do well and they're going to survive the illness, um, but they, they need oxygen uh, at home because their oxygen levels drop. Uh, and otherwise they're okay. And so they'll come into the hospital for maybe a day, get set up with home health oxygen, and then they go home with oxygen, and then they survive the worst part of their illness and and um, don't have to be hospitalized again. And then there are people that are in the hospital for a week um, to two and a half weeks, um, generally more like week, week and a half. And those are, those are a different cohort of people with more comorbidities that are more ill um, that are heading toward the ICU. And are, so compared to the worst in, I don't know, March, April, 
how, how does it look now? Oh, it's much better. So I mean, so we're seeing a, a big surge in cases, but the, the cases that are that are coming through are uh, much less ill. Only about in in the area that I'm in, only about thirteen uh, percent of the cases that are being diagnosed um, are um, being requiring any hospitalization. Uh, and uh, the vast majority of people that come into the hospital that I see in the emergency department are people that I send home. Uh, because they are so, uh, they, they have, they just have symptoms that need a, a few medications to feel better and they're able to go back. So most ER visits do not result in, in hospitals. All right. Do me a favor, please hold on. Got to take a break. And I am, uh, speaking to Dr. Bo Breeze, emergency room physician at, uh, in Houston. The media seem to be close to lying. In, in their uh, descriptions. Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Dennis Prager Show, emergency room physician in Houston. His uh, big hospital, If uh, tell me if I remember your statistic accurately, is the ICU is 88 or 80, 88% full, I think you said. And last in the, year, in the medical center, in the big medical center in Houston, which includes all the main hospitals in the medical center. And last year was at ninety-seven, so it's actually less full this year. Generally, well, this has been the slowest year of my career, Dennis. I've seen fewer patients this year than any year of my career. And if you ask almost every emergency physician, they'll tell you the same thing. It's the so let me ask you a personal question: When you hear and read, which is stated daily on every regular medium in America that the hospitals uh, are overflowing uh, with COVID patients. Do you then have a scotch on the rocks? What do you do? <laughs> you mean so I can cry over it? So you could. I take my scotch nito, Dennis, not on the rocks. I like the... <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the cognitive dissonance that a doctor like you must have is is, is got to be uh, somewhat. Uh, it has to have some effect. Well, and as, as a scientist, if I, if I may be so bold, I mean, so much so much in this year from supposed experts has been so unbelievably inaccurate and unfathomably unscientific in approach. You know, as scientists. What we seek to do is get as much information as we can about a problem, lay it all on the table, discuss our opinions with respect, and then everyone can come to their own conclusions, right? What we don't do is do things like the with the Johns Hopkins study by Genevieve Bryant that recently came out, and once the information is out there that the mortality rate overall in the U.S. for all deaths is about the same this year as last year, immediately suppress the study, remove it from the website, and only be able to find it on web archives that the information was there. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. We should be exploring why data doesn't conform with our expectations and that we're not doing so. A lot of people who are getting on CNN and large outlets to, to push for more lockdowns and to push for ineffective mask policies instead of effective mask policies uh, they think that they're getting additional power, but I think in the end what they're doing is they're losing the power and credibility to deal with a much worse pandemic, which could occur in the future. 
I mean, the experts have lost so much credibility this year, and for good reason. People do think for themselves in America, thank God, and they've noticed that they've made predictions that weren't consistent and didn't come true, like Fauci in January where he said it's not a big deal, and then all of a sudden the death rate's going to be 2 or 3%, and then instead the death rate turns out to be maybe 0.2 or 0.3%. And, and then, um, you know, when we, we end up doing these big policies and finding they don't make a big difference, there's, there's this wonderful study that came out from Denmark recently called the Dan Mask Study. They t- took thousands of people in a population that's very compliant, and uh, half of them got surgical masks and half of them did not get surgical masks. And they went and they looked over a period of weeks to months to see what percentage of them picked up coronavirus. And there was no difference between the two groups. And that was surgical and masks. Those were surgical masks. Those are better than the typical cloth masks that you're seeing. And, and there was good adherence to the masks between the two groups, uh, speaking very generally. And the reason for that is because the virus is smaller than the holes in the masks. And because the masks don't provide a good enough fit. N95s, well-fitted, they work great. The positive pressure mask I wear at work works excellent. It will prevent you from getting coronavirus. But, but you know, instead of pushing for better quality masks that people can wear that would be effective, they, they, they think so condescendingly of the public that they tell them lies about what will be effective and then oppress them for saying otherwise. For example, the CEO of Sanford Health, Kelby uh, Krabenhoff, uh, he got coronavirus and then months later decided to stop wearing a mask because, as, as, as we know, he is almost certainly immune. It's extremely unusual. It, it happens, but it's extremely unusual to get the virus twice. So he wasn't wearing a mask. He was confronted with this and said, hey, look, scientifically, once you've had the disease, you're no longer susceptible to it. And he was fired as the CEO of this health system in, in, I think, South Dakota. This is not what advances science, is oppressing. <laughs> it's an amazing opposition. story, amazing story. <laughs> if, if, if you have to wear a mask after having had COVID, then we'll have to ha- wear masks after being vaccinated. Ah, and there is the rub, Right. There is the rub. What is the point of the policy? If the point of the policy is reducing death and and improving people's lives uh, in such a way that, that, that we don't have to worry about the fear and, and can live well, then we should be able to open the economy again. We should be able to send our kids to school again. We should be able to eat at a restaurant again. But it's not. Uh, the point seems very much to be about suppressing the West because the East the, the suppressive East, China specifically, Russia to some extent, they are not doing these things. They're moving forward at full steam, advancing advancing their cause. And it's very disturbing. I mean, they believe in taking away your freedom while making those sacrifices themselves. They send their own children to private schools for in-person learning while your public schools are closed down. You, President Clinton and Bush went to the funeral of Democratic Congressman John Lewis without significant social distancing while you can't go to a funeral for your father. Right. Uh, Newsom, the governor of California and the CEO of the CMA, Dustin Corcoran, whom I actually know, were eating at the finest restaurant, arguably, in California without masks while telling you that you can't you can't go to dinner with your wife on a date. You know, I'll, like Glenn Reynolds says, I'll start believing it's a crisis when they act like it's a crisis. But the, the point is that it, what it really seems to be is that it, it's taught me as a doctor is that the left wants there to be two classes, a privileged class with freedom to do whatever they want, and a lower class that the upper class uses to pay 
indulgences for their freedom by forcing them to do rules they would never follow themselves. You know, they and you can tell they enjoy the cruelty of it. They're bullies. So people shouldn't give in. If you're going to wear a mask, as I do in most circumstances, you should do it by choice and not dictate wearing it. Right. Back in a moment. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager, final couple of minutes with Dr. Bo Breeze in the front line at a major hospital in Houston. Emergency room physician. I tell you, I can't get over the story. I'm, I, I didn't know it. The, no. the, the man got covid so uh, he said, I don't have to wear a mask. This is South Dakota, no less. What group fired him? What was the group? Sanford Health. He ran the healthcare system. He waited a long period of time. COVID's generally a three-week illness. He waited, I think, months after he clearly no longer had the illness before stopping wearing a mask. But they fired him because he wasn't wearing a mask, because they said it sent the wrong message. I don't know how that sends the wrong message. When you've already had coronavirus, I think it sends a message that you follow science. Do you have any thoughts on no. the vaccine? Yes. Uh, I think there's two categories of vaccination. You know, the, the flu vaccine, it, you know, has variable effects every year, right? Sometimes it's really effective. Sometimes it's not very effective. And then there's all those vaccines that you get as a kid that are great. You know, you take them over a series of time when you're a child and you're immune for the rest of your life. The new vaccines that are coming out are really, really good, it looks like. The Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine look like they're outstandingly effective. And uh, I'm going to get vaccinated, I think, later this month, um, is what I'm told. Uh, So I think that people should go out and get the vaccination. And I think we should thank our lucky stars that we had, if I may be so bold, had the president we had to get rid of all the regulations to enable this vaccination to come out five times faster, faster than any vaccine uh, in the history of vaccination. It, it's really astonishing. The president's work was great. The policy work was outstanding. And, of course, the scientists that worked so hard to create this vaccine and tried out a number of others that didn't work out are heroes. So I have one question on that, and you know far more, so I obviously want to ask you. the uh, It's called a, 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 an RNA or mRNA uh, vaccine. It's the first to have something to do with our DNA. Does that in any way uh, frighten you? You know, it. with any new drug, um, you know, you're concerned as one of the first people who's going to get it about um, side effects. But I'm not too concerned about this technology. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with, the development of the vaccination being one that was more targeted to the exact structure of the the disease, the exact structure of right, the virus. Right. So I have great confidence in it because of that. I'm not worried about how it was developed that way, no. Okay. And I'm willing to take the risk on myself. Obviously. I'm going to take the vaccination and see how it goes. Well, listen, I just want to reaffirm to everybody that the Dr. Breeze is telling us, again, they actually have fewer ICU patients uh, than they did last year. I thank you for your time. Your patients are lucky to have you. Thank you, Dennis, for all you do. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Dennis Prager, and we continue. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Hi, 
right, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Alan's story. I've been in back pain since my early 20s. Now I'm 51. In my early 20s, I worked for the state prison. I got injured and I was off work for about a year. I'm now a train engineer. I basically sit all day long. My wife making me take relief factor literally changed my life. I don't feel like I'm 20 again, but my back does. Everyone knows you want something drug-free. You want something that will help your own body deal with the inflammation that can often cause pain in your neck, back, shoulder, hip, knee, or foot. Actually, even general aches and pains from just getting older, exercise, everyday living, all can be a real problem, even keeping you from sleeping through the night. So here's what I suggest you do. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners of Relief Factor, have created what they call a three-week quick start. It's a trial pack, and they've discounted it to just $19.95. That's about a dollar a day, and after that, about the cost of a cup of coffee a day to stay out of pain. That's a three-week quick start for just $19.95, and you should know this. About 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start for just $19.95 go on to order more. So do what so many others have already done. Take Pete and Seth Talbot up on their offer and go to relieffactor.com and order the three-week quick start. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. 